in Mark chapter 4, a parable that only appears in Mark's gospel, beginning with verse 26. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Though he does not know how, all by itself the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. A simple little parable only found this one place in the gospel accounts that reminds us that whether we're awake or whether we're asleep, God is at work. That we, we start something and God can provide the rest. The farmer sows the seed, as Jesus gives in this example, And the audience that Jesus is speaking to would have understood this. They were an agricultural people in a place where God gave them this land. A land that the Old Testament tells us over and over is flowing with milk and honey. It's it's good land. It's fertile land. And so they would have understood what it was like to go out and sow some seed. They also would have understood the idea that once that seed is sown, that there's not a whole lot else you can do for it. And then they also know what it's like to reap a harvest. And Jesus saying to these folks, reminding us today, that God is at work. That our God is a God of increase. As the story goes, a true story, some years ago, I'm going to need some help advancing the slide, Lindsay. I may have a dead battery that I've failed to rectify. But at uh, some years ago at uh, Eastern College, what's now Eastern Un- University, I believe in Pennsylvania, but it's a, it's a Christian college. And uh, a group of students in one of their classes was assigned the task of come up with a plan where a small group of people could somehow enact or influence change with a large corporation. And so the group of students then, meeting together to come up with how they were going to present their assignment, chose a large multinational corporation. And they said, you know, we would like them to do something about the people on the island of Hispaniola. Now, if you're not familiar with that island... Uh, Most of the island is the nation of the Dominican Republic. Part of that uh, island is the nation of Haiti. And so they wanted to enact change from a company that was doing business in the Dominican Republic. And so these students at Eastern University then basically said, uh, you know what, we've got a plan here. 
instead of simply presenting it to our class, presenting it to our professor, why don't we actually do it? If it's supposed to be a workable plan, why don't we work the plan? Let's carry it out. And so the company was Gulf Western Company. And when I read this, I thought, I've heard of that company because it's listed on the graphic of every Paramount motion picture that I've ever seen. Paramount, a Gulf and Western company. And so the students then proceed with their plan. They go to the annual shareholders meeting at Gulf and Western, having each of them purchased one share of stock in Gulf and Western Corporation. And so during the time where shareholders could make comments or ask questions of the corporation's leadership, they proceed to get out in the aisle and line up behind one of the microphones. And so one by one, when it came their turn to speak, they read scripture from God's word that was aimed at how you treat the poor that was aimed at social justice. And so uh, the response then after, and I don't know the number of students, but it was a group project within a larger class. So we're probably just talking about a handful of students here. Four, five, six, seven students. And so after multiple people have then read from God's word, at this shareholder meeting and implored that the leadership of this corporation treat the people in the Dominican Republic a little better because they had basically systematically had uh, made the people of the Dominican Republic dependent on one crop and that was sugar. And there were low wages. There was high poverty. There were low educational opportunities. And so there was a minimal access to any kind of quality health care on the island. And so then the corporation responds. The leaders of the company say, you know, why don't you all come and meet with us? And we'll talk about this at length. And true to their word, that's exactly what happened. The students met with the, and their professor, met with the, the leaders of this company. And then within the next 18 months, they rolled out a plan where they were going to spend uh, billions of dollars in the Dominican Republic over the next several years. And so they partnered with a hospital in the United States to create a hospital campus in the Dominican Republic and they created schools and they raised the wages and this small group of students was able to enact change for the betterment of a group of people that they didn't even know but that because of the love of God that they had a heart for. Now, don't mistake me. This morning's message is not about social justice. Although, if you are so inclined to be an advocate for someone who needs someone to speak up for them, then by all means, do that. That is a wonderful thing. 
But what this is about this morning, church, is the idea that just a small group of people can create change. That what they were doing, turns out, it mattered. We see that further displayed, that our God is a God of increase, when we look at John chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. A section of Holy Scripture that is in all four Gospels, and an event that we have heard about from the time that we were old enough to go to Sunday school or attend vacation Bible school. John 6, beginning with verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them, and twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. And so we see this example. We're reminded this morning of a story that we're familiar with. That there were 5,000 men present... When you include women and children, the number could easily be 12,000-15,000 people. Imagine all of Lewis County gathered on a hillside. Imagine all of Lewis County needing something to eat. And imagine there being that one boy there with five loaves and two fish. And Jesus praying over it, blessing it. And then not only is every Lewis County in full, but then they've got all this food left over. Jesus saying, don't let any of it go to waste. Now how does that happen, church? 
Because our God can do things that we can't understand. Because our God has a way of taking a little and making it matter to so many. And church, let's not let ourselves ever forget that. That what we do matters. That when we give someone a word of encouragement, that it, it matters. That God can take what we think is a simple word of encouragement. Hey, I appreciated what you did for my friend so-and-so. Or hey, I really appreciate what you're doing. Whatever that might be. That word of encouragement that simply says thank you. Or keep being you, as some are known to say. And God can take that and make it matter far beyond what we think is a simple word of encouragement. God can take a small group of people. After all, Jesus could have chosen any number of followers, couldn't he? Any number that he would designate as apostles. It could have been 500, it could have been 300, it could have been 100. How many did he choose, church? It was 12. 12 people. That after he had returned to the right hand of the Father, 12 people that would create a movement that we now know as the Christian faith. Yesterday, I wasn't sure how many would show up for our work session. And later I, I tried to jot down all the names. Remember, I'm not going to call them out. They don't serve to have their names called. They serve because they love the Lord and they love this body of Christ. And I know there were others that would like to have been there that had conflicts, some that were out of town, some other obligations. But nonetheless, if the number was right, I think we had about 13 people here yesterday morning that worked for a couple hours. And we got a lot of stuff done. Why? Because with just 13 people, God can do something worthwhile. We got a lot of stuff moved. We got a lot of things accomplished. There's more to be done. There will be work sessions scheduled at later dates. But, church, let's not lose sight that God can take a small group of people and do something with them. Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas has a dedicated seminary campus in Memphis. The Harding School of Theology where they, they train ministers. And uh, I've known ministers over the years that, that uh, did their graduate work at, at Harding. And uh, there was... Uh, uh, he's now he's now passed, but there was a professor there for years named Jack Reese, and uh, students would tell me that when they would go back to campus and see Brother Reese uh, walking down a sidewalk, he would always stop his former students. They might have been on campus for another class, they might have been there for a lectureship or a workshop or something, but but nonetheless, he would stop them and say, "Hey, where are you now?" 
And then he, they would tell him where they were preaching. And he would say, well, now how many you got there? And he'd, they'd say, well, you know, I, I preached to 85 on Sunday morning typically. And he'd say, you can do a lot of good with 85 people. Or uh, maybe they'd say, I've, you know, I, I preached to 150. You can do a lot of good with 150 people. Brother Reese, I, I preached to 42 people on a typical Sunday. You can do a lot of good with 42 people. And so there was kind of a joke that no matter how, what no, kind of number you gave Dr. Reese, he was going to look you in the eye and, and hold out that finger and say, you can do a lot of good with that number. It didn't matter if it was 40 or 1,200. He would say, you can do a lot of good with that many people. Had someone just last night telling me that they were worshiping at a church in Perry County. He said his son counted 18 people there. You know what, church? You can do a lot of good with 18 people, can't you? Yes. Because what we do matters. And it matters because we serve a God who provides increase where we can't expect to see increase. We can't explain increase. We can't wrap our mind around the way he multiplies small acts or the works of small groups. And yet he makes it matter to something. Galatians 6 Verses 9 and 10, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Paul writing those words to a church some 1900 years ago saying, don't give up, y'all. Don't, don't get tired of doing good because it matters. Because it matters. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest, church, right? If we do not give up. Our God is a God of harvest. Our God is a God of increase. And so, the little acts that you do amount to something. They truly do matter. If God's Spirit inspires you to do the next big thing, to show up at a shareholders meeting and speak truth to power and implore them to change their policies, to press them into creating initiatives to do something on that grand of a scale, then by all means, if God calls you to do that, He'll help you carry that out. But we're not all called to hit the home runs in God's kingdom. Sometimes we're just called to get on base. And then God provides the increase church family the small acts of kindness don't give up on doing those because it truly does matter as we conclude our time together 
Ephesians 2, chapter 10. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Why did He create us, church? To do good works. If you're looking at your life and you're thinking, I don't know how much good I'm doing, know that God did indeed create you to do good. But don't misunderstand that it doesn't always have to be big things. That it's the day-to-day things. When we leave this place, we leave the comfort, the protection of these walls. We have the opportunity to be salt and light to a world that needs salt and light. And so let's remember that when we hear that voice that say, you don't need to engage that person. They don't know you. Don't pay them a compliment. Don't encourage them because you know someone else they did something nice for. When you hear that voice that says, "Uh, you know, it's okay. They don't need that. That's not the voice you listen to, church. Listen to the voice that put that thought in your head in the first place. And just know that it matters. If you're with us today and you have not yet become part of this kingdom that we speak of, then know that when we in, it, it, excuse me, extend the invitation in a moment, that we're inviting you to come and join God's kingdom, to become one of God's children in His family, to enter the waters of baptism and come out a new creation. If you're with us this morning and you just got something that's weighing on you, I know what that's like. And you just need the prayers of a faithful body of believers. Then the invitation is for that reason also. Let's stand together and sing.